Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your hosts from SteelersDepot.com where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora. Always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 113. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday, Steelers Nation. And we're here to pick up your spirits if you had to watch the Pens last night and that uh, disappointing loss to Chicago, which very much diminishes their playoff chances. So, uh, Dave, we're going to be their, their ray of sunshine on a cloudy day. Maybe <laughs> uh, <laughs> penguins laying eggs, right? Mm. Uh, uh, boy, worst team in the National Hockey League in the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. Boy, that goaltender was on fire, was he not? Uh, the mm-hmm. Mezrick, uh, just uh, really was playing really, really well. And I, yeah, I thought the penguins played, you know, pretty good overall. They just couldn't get the puck past them and serve all those chances. And then obviously, late gave up a couple of the goals and. Uh, you know, some empty netters in there. And I guess now it comes down to a game against Columbus and then needing help with the, uh, with the Islanders, I guess need to need to lose. So we'll, uh, we'll see if he can pull, if Mike Sullivan can pull a Mike Tomlin here and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and keep the streak alive. So, uh, but the Pirates won on a, a nice walk off there by Bay. So that was exciting to see. So, uh, maybe the, maybe the Pirates can help, uh, <laughs> carry, carry, carry the flag, uh, so to speak here for the next uh, few weeks. But uh, we've, we've got a little bit to talk about today, don't we? We do some news coming in yesterday or two days ago, and also shortly before you and I jumped on the podcast. And so let's start with the most recent news here coming out Wednesday morning. Pittsburgh Steelers, bit of a curious, odd slash surprising uh, decision. This team uh, releasing edge rusher Jameer Jones, who had just signed his one-year exclusive rights tag uh, back in February. So for him to get the release, he didn't see that one coming. Obviously, not going to impact this team too terribly much. He was a number four outside linebacker, special teamer, but wonder what the story is there with Jameer Jones. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if anything else follows this. Uh, you know, immediately people want to react to it and say, well, they're making room for someone else, or, you know, is this related to Bud Dupree and, uh, you know, something along those lines, but, uh, here's the thing. You've got a 90 man roster that you can fill during the off season. They're, they're nowhere close to hitting that number. Uh, the Jameer Jones contract, uh, by deleting him does not save any salary cap space in the rule of 51. So there's no reason to do that. And it's not like you, you know, his skill set. I mean, he's, he's, he's more special teamer than he is anything else. So, uh, was this just him saying, reading the writing on the wall and saying, Hey, look, you know, you know, I, 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 I want to explore maybe what else is out there. Uh, is this something off the field that will surface in the next 48 hours? It's, it's, it's really hard to say, but it is a curious move here in, 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 you know, the middle of the week to have a guy that signed his exclusive rights, free agent tender, and is now out the door, especially when it doesn't save any money. And, you know, your depth chart at the outside linebacker position 
isn't all that great on top of it. And specifically you could use some special teamers, you know, uh, but, uh, I have a feeling we'll learn more about this potentially here in the next 48 hours. Yeah, we'll see. And as you said, not that Jameer Jones was going to be counted on to be quality or top or immediate edge depth, but right now there really is not much behind TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. Now it's basically Quincy Roche. And so for Jones to be at least that placeholder, and even if this was somehow related to Bud Dupree, which it isn't, Jones and Dupree, they serve different purposes on this team. Dupree, if signed, would be a number three rotational Outside linebacker would play heavily on defense, very little, if at all, on special teams. Jones is number four that would play primarily, maybe close to exclusively on special teams. So they really serve two functions, different functions for this roster. So don't know the story there, um, but something to watch. And certainly, you know, edge depth has to be addressed in some form or fashion over the next month. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Curious, uh, didn't expect to wake up to this one today. Yep, that's for sure. Didn't expect a team to add to its defensive line either, but they have the other day signing veteran defensive lineman Armin Watts. And we don't know exact contract details on that. Probably a one-year deal for a very uh, you know low-level type contract that you can probably walk through. But veteran guy that still has some youth to him, 26 years old, I want to say, spent last year in Chicago, former six-round pick of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, you've watched his tape some. I've watched his tape some. Your impressions of Armin Watts? Yeah, not a big guy that can play in the middle there. And on the heels of uh, Fajoko uh, getting signed, uh, this uh, uh, you look at his tape and you look specifically at at, at how he was. And uh, oh, uh, make sure we get out there that another win for the Alex Kazora, what they look for. Because uh, this is one that just from a, a flat out measurable standpoint uh, hit the marks. I don't think he did. He had a hamstring, didn't he, during his. Uh, during his pre-draft process back several years ago. And I think that prevented him from doing things at the combine at his pro day. So I don't think we, I don't think he, I don't think he had a complete, you know, the, the, the three cone and all that stuff. But I mean, as far as flat out measurables, height, weight, arm length, uh, hand, you know, those, those kind of uh, things, uh, I think he matched. And I think you even, uh, had a blurb there at the end of, was it 2019 mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> uh, what they look for uh, article there. So uh, uh, his, how he was used specifically last year for the bears uh, was more of an interior guy he lined up mostly between the guards uh, there. He was mostly a first and second down uh, player for them. I think the thing that jumped out uh, right away on his all, I, and I watched three, I went through three games of his. I went, uh, I looked at the uh, PFF grading of him. I took his best game, his worst game, and one of the games right in the middle there and uh, flew through the all 22 on, on, on all three of those games. And I think the thing that stuck out first and foremost with, with him was the lateral agility and really just the agility uh, overall. Uh, I think the second thing that stuck out to me was the use of those long arms and the ability to uh, get off blocks uh, and and make some plays. I think he can improve on some of the tackling 
uh, there. He gets to some guys and lets them, lets them get free a few times there. So that did stick out there. Probably not the best get off in the world. Uh, when it, when it comes to him. And I think another thing that stuck out to me was he has a tendency to rise up at the snap of the football, uh, sometimes as well too. I liked his play in the games that I watched from last season. Now, look, he had what seven or something sacks two years ago or something for five yeah, uh, or, or, you know, a, a pretty decent, uh, sack. Uh, total a couple of years ago with the uh, with the Vikings. I haven't gone back and specifically looked at each one of those to see the quality of them. Uh, in his tape from last year with the Bears, however, I didn't view him as as being all that great of a pass rusher. Seemed to get stymied a little bit at the line. Now they did use him. Uh, in those three games, at least they stunned him and twisted him. Uh, quite a bit in there uh, and sometimes uh, around the edge uh, there, which obviously slows some of your time getting to the quarterback there. But uh, uh, I, you know, I wasn't overly, he does have some athleticism to swim over some guys and get into the backfield and had a, had a nice sack uh, lining up uh, uh, over the tackle, I think against the uh, jets where he worked back inside and got a, got a nice sack uh, on, 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 I think that was his only sack last season there, but uh, uh, at least on last year's tape, didn't, wasn't impactful as a pass rusher, but was used mostly as a, uh, first and second down guy. And I thought he played pretty decent against the run, but uh, he, he does fit what the Steelers look for. He does have that athleticism. And because of how he was used in, in Chicago and the amount of staff. And look, this is a guy too, that in Chicago or with Minnesota, he qualified for a proven performance escalator after his first three seasons that, that resulted in a, uh, salary last year, well over $2 million. And while he was waived by the uh, Vikings, I, I guess, prior to the start of last year, the Bears had no issue claiming him and carrying him on that salary uh, last year. And he played 500 and something snaps in total. And once again, most of those came on first and second down. And most of them came with him lined up uh, in between the guards. I had two thoughts when looking at the tape of, is it is it Armin or Armon? I think I might be saying that slightly off. Watts. Uh, yeah, Armon Watts. Arm Armon Watts. Uh, two thoughts. One was I think the the foundation of being a good defense lineman. You can you can sum it up into three words, and I think he has all these these baseline traits: hips, hands, feet. Those are the the baseline things you need to have as a defensive lineman: good hips, good hands, good feet. I think he he shows that. I think his hips, ability to get skinny, turn and bend through contact the hand use to, to be active, to stay disengaged. And overall, I think just good feet for balance. And as you said, flowing laterally, not that he's a great athlete that's going to run in space and it's going to go chase guys down. But um, overall, I think the hips, the hands, the feet fit well for the position he's playing. Then I think too, you go back to his college uh, experience. He was a one-year starter at Arkansas. He was a really late bloomer that didn't see time hardly at all with the Razorbacks until that final season. And so you saw his NFL career kind of get off to a slow start. Of course, six-round pick, reserve guy in Minnesota. And then, as you referenced, two years ago, had that big five-sack season. And so that's probably a product of a guy that you know was that late bloomer, took a while to get some experience, of course, making the jump to the NFL. And you've seen some you know better tape and more productivity 
for the past two years. And so I thought his tape was actually pretty good. You compare that to Fahoko, I think his tape was a lot better than Fahoko. He offers more as a pass rusher, better athlete overall um, for probably pretty similar, if not identical type price tag. So uh, I, I think that guy for being, you know, in, in kind of early mid-April to be out there and be signed is a pretty quality get. Yeah, and he can play up and down the line, you know. So uh, even though you know most of the snaps came, you know, a lot of one-tech stuff in there, a lot of them uh, just shade to the right or the left of the center uh, there overall, but can play over the center, can play two tech. And even though there wasn't a lot on his tape last year, you know, he can move on out to the, uh, you know, three, four, I five and all like that as well too there. So a very versatile guy. And one, uh, you know, I, I, I'm with you. I think, uh, 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 arm usage, hand usage, and just overall athleticism you can see on the tape. Yeah, I think the hips too. I mentioned that and going back and it, it's so funny how handy these scouting reports we did back years ago, come, you know, come back into, into your view. And I really focused on his hips and had some of the teach tape from Carl Dunbar and just the ability to get skinny and just be a good athlete for that position. Um, I think you really see that there with, uh, with, uh, with Watts. And so I guess my question is, you know, Pittsburgh, like the offensive line, collecting a lot of defense alignment in for agency in, of course, resigning Okunjobi, signing, Fahoko and now signing Watts. What does this mean to you, if anything, about their draft strategy? Obviously, this team needed defensive line help. And uh, after losing guys like Tyson Aluwalu, Chris Wormley, et cetera, does this change anything at all in terms of their approach to the defensive line position when it comes to the draft? I think what it, I don't think it precludes them from drafting a defensive lineman, A. But I do, uh, what, are, what was the arm length on Fahoko? 32 something, a little short, a little shorter, but he's more of a interior plugger than yeah, anything. He's a squatty body. Yeah. yeah uh, he's, he, he's a true like nose tackle. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You keep going back and you thinking about Brian Brzee and all like that. And man, he's got all the measurables and the athleticism. The one thing that he doesn't have is the arm length. Right. Mm-hmm. And you just wonder uh, how much, how much that, that, that might preclude him, you know, uh, and then you look at the other body types outside of maybe Dexter, uh, Javon Dexter out of, uh, Florida. He's really the only one that I don't know when you're going to do the defensive lineman, but, but across the board probably seems to check most of the boxes. Dexter does you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. But he's got arm length issues too. He's kind of short for Z. So right. that's a thought and, there. And then uh, Benton, he's a little squattier, right? Yeah, he's to me not. I, I think Dexter is a good athlete. There's there's stuff in his game he's got to work on to be a better pass rusher. He wasn't super productive in college. His get off, I think, is, is is pretty slow. But Benton's a guy with you know not a tremendous athlete in open grass type situations, but good quickness, good burst, with really good length and size and power and inactive hands. I mean, could. Uh... You know, is this a situation where they maybe want just one or two certain guys circled uh, uh, defensive linemen on their draft board? And this, these, these last two moves are, are insurance in case they don't get either one or two of them? I think there's a level of insurance to it. I think just as you see Pittsburgh kind of have extreme depth on their offensive line, you're seeing it kind of on, on, on the same defensively and probably with more to come. I just can't see. 
Bahoko and Watts, two guys that are going to be on one-year deals, somehow preventing this team from addressing, you know, a, a top 50 pick into defensive line. I just don't know how this team could go from we need help to, oh, no, we got, you know, Watson, Fahoko, we're good. I just don't think those are the guys that sit there, you clap your hands and say, okay, we're done addressing this position. The one thought I'm having, though, in terms of what it might do to the draft strategy is because we agree Fahoko is like a true plugger, zero, one tech, correct? Right. And he's not going to be obviously an every down, you know, a, a, a guy that you're going to probably throw out there in, in all situations. Right. He's like a base three, four right. guy. And Watts offers more as a pass rusher. He's longer. He's a better athlete, but still generally zero, one tech, maybe a bit of three base defense because he was basically a base defense guy. Right. right. And so are they kind of acquiring their base run stuffers now? And then in the draft, they go after that more three tech pass rusher type guy. And that's say, a good. That's a good point. It very well could be. Which which of the lot now at this point in the draft class is the guy that could be more of the uh, specifically you know nickel you know right uh, uh, guy that that can get after the passer. Yeah, and so it's still kind of hard to find those names because you look at the Dexters in Brazil, their college production not great. Dexter's got things to work on as a pass rusher, but those would be the type of names. Would it be a little less of Benton? Perhaps. I think about other guys too, like our Carl Brooks and Bowling Green, which to me is a really good three tech, not going to be super stout against the run, but active type pass rusher. I know DeMarvin Leal is in this mix as well, but you see the way that they're building this thing in Philadelphia, the way they built that thing. I mean, they had extreme depth with really you know strong rotations to keep guys fresh. So you don't just want one guy in there that's your pass rusher. You want as many of those guys as possible. So I'm still kind of kicking around the idea. I I can't see this precluding them from addressing defensive line really in any significant way, but I wonder if they're going to look more towards that three tech nickel sub package guy, as opposed to uh, more of that base defensive lineman. Would you consider Brzee to be that kind of guy? Yeah, I would see him more. And again, obviously these guys are versatile and they, you can't just be a pass rusher and solely a pass rusher and, and win in Pittsburgh. You're still in, you know, nickel a lot in terms of rundowns, but I, you know, I would see it'd be a little less of the Broderick Martins and the, a little, maybe a little, little less on Keanu Benton as well. And maybe more focused on the Brooks and Brzee. And if you can coach him up a guy like Dexter. Uh, when you, and, and look, it, the, this team obviously could so, at some point uh, re-sign Wormley as well, too. But he's going to be more of a, a, a better run defender than anything, too. Yeah, he's a guy that, you know, didn't play in a lot of sub last year once Open Joby was brought in. Wormley did two years ago and had seven sacks. They weren't super quality. Um, and I think with Watts, I mean, he's got a couple quality sacks. But I, I, I was trying to see the breakdown of when he got a sacks of the Oh, I think he has eight or so career sacks. Only two of them have ever come on third down, and they were both low-quality, cleanup coverage-type okay. sacks. And so, I mean, he's got some impressive pass rushers out there. He's certainly a better guy than Fajoko in terms of getting after the quarterback. But, you know, is he going to be a guy used that much in sub-package? The, the Bears nor the Vikings have done that. And so he seems to be maybe not kind of like Montrevious Adams in the sense of they're, they're nose tackles, but they got a little juice to the game. And I think Watts is, is more refined than Adams right now. As far as the timing goes with this, uh, with Watts, this might, this very well could have been uh, the result of, of that deal being out there for Watts from the Steelers for a while and him saying, let me look around for a little bit. It's weird too. All these guys have been David Cantor guys too, <laughs> right? <laughs> it has been weird. Yeah. Uh, Agent David Cantor and, 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 
this is the last. Uh, it was uh, Fajoko. Uh, uh, Neil, 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 yeah. Neil, and now our Ar- Ar- Armand Watts, right? All three of them are David Cantor guys. That's kind of interesting. Uh, makes you wonder maybe if this deal for Watts had been sitting on the table for a little bit, and, and Watts saying, "Well, let me get to you know a certain point here and, and 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 see what else is out there." And then the Steelers probably saying, "Look, we got to know something with the draft coming up two you know two weeks away. Are are you in or are you out?" You know, sure. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Kind of situation. I would be surprised if this is, and we don't even know the length of the deal yet, but uh, I'd be surprised if this is more than one year uh, veteran benefit deal. Maybe they gave him a $50,000 signing bonus like they did LaRaven Clark, but even the max signing bonus on a veteran benefit contract would be 152500 So I would think that's the max uh, 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 of the deal there. Uh, once we get the details. Yeah, that's probably right. I, I do want to see the exact numbers because, I mean, I think his tape is better than Fahoko or Clark. Like he's somebody that is a, is in a tier above those type of guys. Right. So uh, you would agree, though, a max of 152,500 signing bonus. Or could yeah, you, could I, you see I, this being a bigger deal than that? That's probably what it's going to be. That kind of max level. What exactly? What do they call it? Veteran. That, they call them now veteran benefit contracts. Veteran benefit contracts. Okay, that, that's probably what it's going to be. But I do want to see what those numbers are because this guy started what seventeen games the last two seasons and played a bunch of snaps and has seven sacks. So there's something there. And again, I think he's a guy that's kind of rounded into form three, four years in the league after being a really raw one year college production guy. At Arkansas, so you're kind of seeing his game develop. Um, so if you're trying to map out how this defensive line room looks for week one, let's assume they carry six, you know, that this team's kind of adding some names. The question is who sticks. Right. So you have Hayward, Ogunjobi, Liao's kind of this wild card, depending on what you want to call him, depending on where they want to use him. Um, you got Watts, you got Bahoko, Loudermilk. Of course, Jonathan Marshall, you can throw in as well. Montrevious Adams, you know, still technically as of right now, you're starting a nose tackle. So, you know, you got some names there, but I just wonder, is it is it a quantity over quality? And look, Loudermilk right now, uh, obviously, like several of these guys on this, and we talked about Montrevious Adams the other day. Uh, a lot of these guys obviously are, are not guaranteed to make the roster. And yeah, you know, we'll see what happens with Wormley later on in the offseason as well, too. Uh, I mean, I, we've been resigned to the fact for a while now that Tyson Alualu's done in Pittsburgh. So uh, there's 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 one uh, definitely out the door there. Uh, they could still use uh, young young talent in that room uh, as well, too. You know, sure. uh, pe- pedigree guys, you know. If you had to kind of roughly rank who has the best chance of making the roster, I know we're still so far out from these things really mattering, but of Bahoko, Adams, Watts, and Loudermilk, like who do you feel is inside the bubble? Who's outside? Who's maybe right on that line? Uh, I mean, Watts does does give you a lot more versatility of all these guys right now. So mm-hmm. I, I would probably rank him first. Bahoko. Uh, if you're going Fajoko versus Montrevious Adams one to one for for in the middle uh, as a plugger, I'd probably choose Fajoko right now. Okay, and Adams does cost a little bit, so there is a right. bit of savings there. I know you had just written about that, correct? Right, right. So you have a little bit of savings in there as well too. But uh, 
at least you got people now that, uh, you know, you're kind of injury protected that, that, you know, have the same skill set and look a lot louder milk, you know, on the outside looking in, I would think right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I, I, and again, and I, I don't I, know I, what to do with Leal until we <laughs> see what they're going to do, yo, uh, how, you know, uh, what the plan is for him. Right. I think regardless. he's going, he should be on the roster. Obviously you wouldn't sure. think they're going you know, going to cut him you know, one year after, you know, as early as they drafted him. It's just, it's something that we've stated since last season ended. Uh, what is he? And, you know, all we've got to go off of is what Omar Khan said at the, uh, at the combine, you know, we're probably going to keep using his versatility. Yeah. I think regardless in terms of his defensive line work, he's not much of a base guy. He's that sub package type guy. That's why you're seeing this team sign more base types in Fajoko in Watts. Um, yeah. I think Loudamoke certainly outside looking in, he's got to, you know, make a push to, to secure his job in 2023. I know that it, you could construct a, a six uh, man defensive line room right now, based off the current guys they've signed. And so that leads some people to believe that they're not going to address defensive line as highly. I just don't know what the quality of that room is. Once you get past the top names, of course, and Hayward and Ogan Joby, um, I think Watts probably makes this team, you know, obviously Leo is going to have a role of some sort, but I still think they, they just need to add more talent. They're adding some depth. They're adding some good role type guys. But, you know, I don't think Pahoko is guaranteed to make this roster on the literal minimum contract that he signed. I don't think Adams is guaranteed to make this roster right now I, I, either. Watts is not either, but I think he's got a better shot. He's got better tape overall. So um, my mindset has kind of shifted perhaps to them looking more towards that three tech, that better pass rusher to round out the room. And look, there's questions about that class right now, too, past Carter, right? Yeah, I think, you know, trying to find that great pass rusher. If, I mean, if, if Brzee had longer arms, I'd, I'd, uh, you know, I'd feel right. a lot better about him. And, and if he didn't kind of have the uh, the injury history, you know, uh, it really is. no. But still in the same breath, knowing that they probably like the kid, you know, from the hearts and smarts. And, you know, when the tape's good, it's real good on him. You know? Yeah, so because could he be a guy at 32? I think 17 is looking less likely, but 32, you know, mm -hmm. is that possibility there? You know, Kalijah Canty's that that interior guy that's a really good pass rusher, but I just don't see him as a scheme fit really in any sense. And I don't I think agree. Pittsburgh's interest has been, you know, reported that much. And so Canty's um, probably not going to be that guy. But yeah, you go back to the Dexters and I'm taking a look at Carl Brooks. He's got the production. He's got the sack, uh, you know, real. And I know he's played in the in, in the Mac smaller schools, but. Um, he's a really good athlete. He's playing linebacker early in his career, so he's somebody that could kind of be that true three tech. And 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 uh, the Broderick, uh, the kid out of uh, uh, was it Western Kentucky? Broderick Martin. Yep. Uh, he's he's more of uh, more of the inside plugger though. Yeah, he's a zero one tech. He's like Watts. I mean, he's he's actually kind of like Watts in a lot of ways in terms of he, you know, pretty good athlete for the position for the frame, good hand use, but you know, he's not going to be a big sack guy. He had you know a couple sacks in his career. And and Mazzy Smith, a little bit of a larger guy. Yeah, I think I think that's where you kind of see maybe this takes Smith out of consideration because you know while there's some stuff to work with with him and he certainly has to build. Pittsburgh looks for are you going to get great pass rush production from him and he's kind of that more zero one tech plugger. I think maybe that reduces those chances some. Right now, look if, if we see the Armand Watts contract and it's. You know, more more than the minimum and a larger signing bonus than one hundred fifty two thousand five hundred. Then it leads you to believe that, you know, they might have plans for him. 
Yeah, and I still think even if it is that one-year deal, nothing's assured. He's got to earn it, got to prove it, but I think he's got a good chance to make this team just because I think the tape's good, he's got more experience, and he's going to offer more as a pass rusher. Okay, all right. But like the signing overall. And uh, yeah, I think, again, you're just seeing Pittsburgh really build extreme depth along its interior trenches, interior offensive line, interior defensive line. You're really seeing this team uh, add up. Well, All once right. once again, with uh, with with Watts, uh, did you come away from his tape uh, like I did better against a run than he is a pass rusher? Yeah, I would say so. But I'm kind of intrigued by that pass rush. Pass rush relative to his position of being that zero one tech, I thought was better than what I expected. Okay. Um, and he kind of reminded me, and I had to go back to that profile of him I did a couple of years ago and thought, oh, yeah, this guy had good hips. Did good you hands. even remember doing him? I didn't. I honestly, I didn't even know if we had one. And I searched it. I think I saw you tweet about it. And I went, oh, I wonder who did that. And I went, oh, I did that. I wrote that report. <laughs> and so kind of brought back those memories. But yeah, okay. they, they, come in, they come in handy for sure. Get off, not great. Could be better. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great overall. Um, he's kind of um, been through contact, you know, shed the blocks and one gap and penetrate and beat the block. He's not really that type of guy. Okay. All right. Uh, let's talk about uh, we go from signings to potential trades. And we talked so much way back when, speaking of 2019, our, the big discussion draft time uh, then was the, the, the Devin linebackers, Devin Bush, Devin White, kind of knew that Devin White was not going to be in play for Pittsburgh because he was going to be a, well inside the top 10. Ultimately, he goes to Tampa. Pittsburgh trades up with Denver to get Devin Bush. And so Devin Bush now in Seattle, that did not work out, obviously. And now Devin White, better player of the two. He wants out of Tampa Bay, reportedly, according to local and national reports. And so, of course, when that came up, first reaction is, would Pittsburgh have any interest? You wrote about that this morning for Steelers Depot, Dave, that sticky top of the page for people to go read but kind of walk us through your thoughts on Devin White. Yeah, let's assume he does one out, and supposedly it's related to uh, uh, how contract talks this offseason uh, are going, or I guess in his case aren't going. And uh, first and foremost, I think it, it, it's important to keep in mind that this is a, a, a Devin White that received the fifth-year option uh, over a year ago from Tampa Bay. And right now, because of that, he's scheduled to earn a fully guaranteed $11.706 million in 2023. If he's wanting to, uh, if he's wanting a new contract, I, I can almost guarantee he's looking for a new money average at a minimum of 12.5 a year. And you'd have to think that he's shooting higher than that. Uh, uh, how much higher? Well, you know, currently Roquan Smith of the Ravens is the highest paid off the ball linebacker at, at $20 million per year. I think he, he's, he's barking up the wrong tree. If he's expecting that kind of money, uh, a new money average of 13 million for him would rank him ninth overall on the current list. You know, uh, is he wanting to settle for the, for for just that? I don't think he's in the range of the 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 uh, Tremaine Edmonds or anything like that either, which I think is what around eighteen million or so like that. So I could see him shooting for somewhere around you know fifteen sixteen million dollars a new money average uh, right now, uh, and that might be some of the holdup when it comes to the Buccaneers. Uh, right now, because uh, you know he has he has stayed on the field, he has racked up quite a few tackles, but I'm not so sure that overall in the coverage and 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 you know combined areas of the game 
that he's that he's worth that kind of money, to be quite honest with you. Now, he is still young and he's got that going for him. That's going to make him attractive. Once again, he's he's put up a lot of total tackles across the uh, league as well, too. So if you want to look specifically at the Steelers as it relates to it and why I don't think, you know, there's there's, you know, he's going to end up uh, landing in Pittsburgh. A. Hey, if you decided that you did want to trade for him, I, I would imagine that you'd have to ask permission from the Buccaneers to talk to him to to pre-work out what an extension would look like for him, mm-hmm. uh, because he is in the final year, you know, of his current contract on the uh, on the fifth year option. Second, assuming you got that worked out with him ahead of time, then you'd have to talk about the buck buck to the Buccaneers about what co- kind of compensation they would want for him. I would think at the very least they'd want a second for him, wouldn't you? It's hard to say for sure. I haven't followed his career too much. It seems like he's gotten mixed reviews in Tampa, where I guess the general feel with him is like he's never been the coverage guy he was built to be with that 4-4 speed, uh, similar to Devin Bush, maybe a bit better overall. He's been the better player, better run defender, but you know, it's kind of been, I guess, I mean, obviously he wants money and he's going to get paid so that he's, he's done something right, but I feel like, Whenever I hear Tampa Bay fans talk about him, they always sound kind of disappointed in his overall uh, game. Right. I, I, I would agree there. And I haven't gone deep, deep down inside of his film or anything like that. But uh, uh, all right. So let's say you worked out the compensation and you worked out the uh, the trade compensation and you worked out the uh, the, 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 the contract for him uh, to acquire him. You would first have to be able to wedge in that $11.706 million salary of his before you executed the, uh, uh, the extension, which would in turn lower his cap number in 2023. Uh, technically the Steelers would have to free up a little bit of cap space, uh, to, 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 to do that. Now, is that a huge, you know, issue in all this? Look, if you want the guy, you can free up a little bit of cap space. You still got the watt, you know, uh, restructure out there to fall back on, uh, uh, and all like that, but it's still yet another thing that they would have to overcome. Uh, another thing is you just went out and signed two free agent and off the ball inside linebackers in, in Cole Holcomb and, and Elan- Landon Roberts. Now, obviously Roberts is more of a two down guy, whereas Holcomb is, you know, you're expecting him to be the three, three down guy in the middle there. So you would be adding on an even more expensive guy in, 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 in Devin white in addition to those two. And then there's the whole, you know, goes back. People, people don't like to hear it and say, ah, you, 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 you're, you're giving this too much, uh, press, so to speak. It's the whole, what, what does this team want to spend in cash in 2023? And if things go the way we think they will with, uh, uh, an Alex Highsmith, uh, uh, new contract or, or extension later this off season, they're going to be right at the, the, the top of cash expend, expending so or cash spending uh, for the three-year period. Uh, you, obviously, if you decided you wanted to spend more, you, I'm sure the NFLPA will be more than happy to watch you do that. Uh, but if you're talking about a contract that even a new money average on Devin White, that average, average let's say, $13 million, uh, you're talking about a, another – I don't know, 15, 16 million in 2023 cash outlay to get such a deal done, which would put them about that a much amount over what they're kind of projected to, to, to spend. So I think you, and it's not to me too, I, I'm with you. I, there are kind of questions about, is he worth that kind of money? 
you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think when you add all those things together, it really, really makes it, you know, you're talking about contract, you're talking about trade compensation, you're talking about cash, you're talking about moves you've already made uh, in, 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 during the offseason and free agency to shore up the inside linebacker position. Uh, you add all those things together, and it really, really seems highly unlikely that, uh, that, 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 that Pittsburgh will be a destination for him. I'm with you, Dave. You know, could Pittsburgh, if they really wanted to, if there was some universal force that made them do it, sure, they could do it. They got draft capital on day two that they could spend, and you can make it work financially. And you did pay Landon Roberts, but it's not a ton of money, and you could start, you know, Devin White over him if you if you really wanted to. Uh, I just don't see it happening overall. I think this team has made its moves at inside linebacker. They've gotten kind of their three-down guy in Cole Holcomb. Um, and so they'd probably be less interested in maybe a, you know, what, what would be an ideal three down guy in, in Devin White, at least based on the way that you're paying him. Although, again, White has struggled some in coverage. So just don't see it happening. And, and if, frankly, you pay, if you paid him that kind of money, he's going to be a, you would expect him to be on the field right. all three downs, all three and, downs. Right. And, and, and then Holcomb becomes your, 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 you know, more expendable uh, uh, third down guy. Yeah, and, and Holcomb got paid less, but you paid him to be your three-down guy, so you're going to go turn around and then go pay Devin White to be your three-down guy. Probably not going to be the overall plan and strategy. So don't see that happening. Honestly, he may stay in Tampa Bay. I think what you're seeing from a lot of players in this day and age, and I'm not mad at them at all. I, I respect it, and, and they can use their leverage as they want to. Whenever those contract talks stall, they start asking for trades. They start putting that, putting that out there, not even always because they 100% won out, but because they want to start putting some public pressure on the team to try to get a deal done. A uh, great example of that is Laramie Tunsil. You know, we heard those trade rumors back in the offseason. You know, might want to go to Kansas City, might want out. They can't do a deal. They get a deal done, and everybody's all happy to, to stay in Houston. And so um, I think it just you're just kind of seeing players mimic that type of tactic. And again, you know, more power to them, but you're seeing teams use that, their players use that to try to, you know, be able to secure and put some public pressure on to get that long term deal. All right, so there's two, you know, there's two questions we always get when when something like this happens. Could the Steelers do it, and would the Steelers do it? Could they do it? Uh, look, I've learned over the years when watching, watching, you know, studying the cap and and all like that. Could they do it? Absolutely, they could do it. From a financial standpoint, could they do it? Absolutely, they could do it. Will they do it? Uh, that's that's where I think all the things that we rattled off there is what makes it. Uh, the probability level be extremely low here. So, uh, and look, almost any guy at this point, you know, the way the cap, the way you can massage the cap. I mean, you can, uh, the answer is always, could they do it? Yes, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But then you get into, would they do it? And in this situation, I, I personally don't think they would. Right. And then it gets to the other question of, is it worth it? Which is, of course, more subjective, but I just don't think it is based on what I know about White. Not that I've studied this guy super in depth, but from what I've read and heard and listened to over the years, his coverage you know, ability has been, again, underwhelming. 4-4 you know, speed does not mean you can cover. It just means that you're a fast guy. They're two separate traits and skill sets and, and ability. So uh, and then paying all that money, investing that much in your off-ball linebacker position, which is maybe you know less valuable than investing more heavily in your defensive line, it just it doesn't really check those boxes for me. Right, uh, and this will go to the long list of the listeners saying, "Ah, oh, this is just Dave and Alex poo-poo and every every idea that comes down the pipe." But uh, we try to look at these as a, these situations as objectively as possible, and 
that that's where I'm at. Yeah, and if we're wrong, then we'll admit it, and we'll have a whole lot to talk about if we're wrong and this team becomes serious contenders for Devin White. I think he ends up maybe staying in Tampa Bay, to be honest with you. I could see him you know, just posturing, and then two months from now, go sign that long-term deal. It's, it's quite possible. Speaking of contracts, you wrote yesterday about Pat Frymuth just kind of taking some longer views on this team's, uh, you know, contracts, which is uh, something every good GM, every every good cap guy should be able to do because you have to look at the present of where your team is at now, but also where you're headed. We talked about Najee Harris a bit a while ago, and then Pat Frymuth as a potential contract extension. Now, Harris is a fifth-year option guy, but just looking at the future of some of these young guys you've drafted, developed, where they're going to be contractually, so... Kind of take us to Pat Frymuth, Dave. Yeah, and it's important to remember, you know, you throw that stuff out there on Pat Frymuth being the most likely guy to get the extension, uh, a contract extension, the same, you know, who we'd be talking about the most when it comes to contract extensions a year from now. People automatically go back to, well, why, why is Najee Harris on that list? And I think we covered that pretty thoroughly that, you know, more than anything, it's a fifth year option decision with Najee Harris. Now, could, uh, once again, you could go back to the whole Christian McCaffrey thing, right? You know, uh, uh, they got an extension done with him before even getting to the fifth year option uh, uh, deadline. So is it plausible that? Uh, that 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 Najee could get an extension, you know, in the same breath or same situation that McCaffrey. Yeah, it's plausible, but you know, we've never seen the Steelers do, and this will be something else to track with Omar Khan, right? You know, uh, we've never seen, uh, uh, especially when they had the luxury of of having another year to go, uh, extending guys technically two years out. Now, technically, right now he's only one year out. Or, or would be technically one year out at, at the end of next this this coming season until his fifth year options exercise. So you get into, you know, uh, what what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. On the uh, referencing what? Yeah, exactly? just uh, just logistics of semantics. Okay. Semantics. semantics. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when when it comes to something like this, uh, quite honestly, I would be surprised if they extended. Uh, unless Najee just blows it out, which is, you know, he could have one of those seasons that, man, we got to get this guy locked up now, mm-hmm. uh, kind of, kind of thing, but I, I'm not planning on that happening. So moving past, uh, Najee being a prime candidate for, 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 for an extension, uh, next summer, which I, you know, once again, I, I'll be surprised that it happens. I think Pat Firemuth is a guy that a year from now we're having the same conversations that we're having about Alex Highsmith uh, this offseason here. Uh, first and foremost, it is a year out. A lot can change between now and this time next year. But uh, A, I don't think there's any reason to think that Pat Firemuth won't have a 2023 season, at least equal to the average of his first two. Hopefully it's better uh, without saying. Hopefully he plays all 17 games. Uh, and assuming that he does have you know, a similar or better season in 2023. He's going to be a guy that uh, you're looking to, 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 to lock up next summer. I think now, what will that look like? I mean, that's, that, that's a, uh, a question that will slowly get answered as the 2023 season uh, moves on. I would like to think that uh, he would be in line for an extension that would rank him no worse than 10th overall highest paid tight end in the NFL. 
And while these rankings can and will change over the course of the next year, uh, currently the 10th highest paid uh, at, at, at the tight end position is Zach Ertz at $10.55 million. And right above Ertz uh, sits Evan Ingram with the Jaguars, who's per- presently wearing that $11.345 million franchise tag. So it'll be interesting to see if they get something done with him. And Hunter Henry of the New England Patriots currently sits ahead of Ingram at $12.5 million in the top 10 uh, rankings. Now, something to watch closely. Closely as the rest of the offseason progresses here, as you've got uh, TJ Hawkinson and Cole Komet, two young players that probably compare more along the lines of a Fryermuth to where he is at right now. Both those guys are more like more more likely than not going to sign extensions uh this offseason that will, you know, Hawkinson, I think without a doubt, is gonna land in the right. top 10. And I think there's a good bet that Cole Komet does as well, too. So uh, long story short, if I had to guess this far out, and we're talking a lot can happen uh, uh, between now and, and this same time next year, I'm thinking that the, the, the fair market value for Fryermuth a year from now will be somewhere between $11 million and $13.75 million in new money, new money average. And that would place him around 10th, you said, in terms of top tight ends? And Some, so, probably somewhere in the top 10. I don't know if it would be 10th okay. specifically, once again. Uh, but, I mean, I think without a doubt, you know, whatever number 10 is, come a year from now, he's going to be bucking to, to be inside that number. Sure, and that could shift a bit because you're right. Hawkinson, that deal is going to get done. Minnesota trades for him. They're going to want to uh, ink him, and, and Cole Komet could be another as well. So, yeah, I mean, I hadn't thought about it much. It's a good exercise. It is a good thought. It's a conversation we probably are going to have to some degree a year from now. I guess the only the only reservation I have about that, and I know it's an exercise and we're just kind of thinking out loud and talking about the future, is all the concussions he's had. He's had, what, three of them right. in two years, and he beats suffers another, and even if he has a good year overall, you know, you start worrying about, you know, doing a long-term deal with a guy with a concussion history, and it's not his sure. fault, obviously, and it's nothing to blame him for, but uh, you just wonder about that. So, you know, just sure. and, 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 and like I said, a lot can happen, right? You know, right. uh, I mean, obviously, if he misses multiple games and, and concussions at the core of it, and he doesn't put up the stats that he's put up the 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 first two years in the league, then you really got to look at it. But right. I, uh, I I I'm going to assume right now that he's going to play at least 16 games and he's going to put up uh, uh, the stats that he put up the first two seasons. Sure. What I'm saying is. Let's just say he suffers a concussion, misses a game, maybe two, but otherwise has a good year. Like when he plays, he's going to be a good player. He's going to be a very, you know, very like high floor guy in terms of, you know, reliable hands, good route running, tough after the catch. I have no question about Fryermuth on the field, but let's just say he plays 15 games, has, you know, overall a very strong season, but has another concussion. How do you weigh that? How do you balance? Okay, he's a good player on the field versus the investment risk of this guy you know would have i guess at that point four concussions in three years you start trying to figure out what do you value what do you weigh how do you try to plan a contract uh, knowing all that well then you gotta lie uh rely on your medical people right 
Right. And uh, Ladarius Green, hopefully maybe some different people evaluating Frymuth and the ones who looked at Ladarius Green. So, yeah, all, all, all good thoughts there. He certainly would deserve to get paid. And again, we're assuming a concussion here that, that you know, has not happened in 2023 just based on history. And, you know, you can talk about Kenny Pickett's concussions, too. We can go down that rabbit hole. But just the, the one thought in terms of a reservation coming to mind when we start talking about a Pat Frymuth long term deal next year. Uh, agreed. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Dave, do you want to mention just uh, didn't mean to, to gloss this over, but we did have a pre-draft visitor come to Pittsburgh yesterday. That was just one name reported in Robert Beal, the edge rusher from Georgia, who was more productive two years ago than he was in 2022 um, with all you know those guys like Nolan Smith and, and some of the, the great talent that Georgia has. And so Beal viewed as more a day three guy. I don't know exactly where to slot him. If he's fourth round, if he's seventh round, he's got some length. The testing was, you know, not ideal for him, but do you want to mention Beal as the most recently known uh, guy to come in on a, on a pre-draft visit? Yeah, we've got some pre-draft visitors in today now. Oh, really? They like literally just just broke. Yeah, Jaden okay, Reed. From, we we knew uh, Jaden Reed yes. was coming in right from uh, wide re- very talented wide receiver out of Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew uh, safety Daniel Scott out of California was coming okay. in. He's in today, and here's one for you, Alex, a Ooh. quarterback. Uh, Jaron Hall out of BYU. Okay, so all, all the senior bowl guys coming in. Reed Hall and Scott were there. Um, I, I believe Hall was there. I know that for a fact that Reed and, and Scott were. So, okay, yeah, new Reed, new Scott. And we I, I have an article today about the quarterback uh, room for Pittsburgh because kind of the one thing they haven't really addressed in terms of depth or anything in terms of filling those gaps are is the quarterback position. They got their two spots obviously spoken for in Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky. This team always takes four to training camp. How and where do they get three and four is going to be interesting to me. It really is. And we still sitting here with, uh, was Jaron Hall? Uh, yeah, he was a senior bowl guy, right? I'm like 95% sure. Yeah, he was there. Yep. Okay. So all three senior bowl guys. Yeah. And now Reed's a guy that Tyler Wise has been a big fan of. I've, I've talked about him as I think a perfect blend between slot receiver, not necessarily that huge big slot guy but not a Calvin Austin, small shifty guy either. He's versatile. He blocks well, had a really strong senior bowl week. He can work in the return game, both kick and punt. Um, Good work ethic, good team guy, selfless type of player, the guy you want in your locker room. I think Jaden Reed and and guys like him, a little bit like Parker Washington, Penn State, are really strong fits in Pittsburgh. Daniel Scott, six-year guy, Cal, could have come out last year, decided to go back to school, became a team captain, um, versatile. Maybe the tape doesn't match up with the great testing that he had, but I think he's instinctive. Had a pick six off of Max Duggan uh, against TCU two two years ago. Um, good leader, good size overall, tested off the charts in a weak safety class. Uh, older prospect, but that's a name to watch. Probably you're talking maybe third, fourth round on Daniel Scott. Okay, interesting. So I think we're up to 27 of the reported names. Now, some of the names that have been reported, we never – got official visits on them guys like a one Jones and and others. We never actually got the official thing. I really want to know Dave, and I have not heard this, but I have to think it's happened. Did Darnell Wright ever come in for a visit with Pittsburgh? Um, That's a guy that you would think would have come in for a visit with the Steelers. Oh, what is the, what does the tracker say? Well, when it's never been reported, but the the reports on right, I mean, there's been some places we know he's gone. Buffalo, I believe uh, he had like 20 something visits lined up. I got to think Pittsburgh was one of those names, but it never, never was actually reported. Hmm. Interesting. 
And so, we've got the rest of the week to go, right? Yeah, this will be the last week for the, the visitors to come in. And so we'll see. Maybe, I mean, maybe he came in in late March. There were some guys that came in late March that were never reported. So that could be a thing. Um, or maybe he just didn't come in. But that that's a pretty big thing I'm trying to hopefully find out by the time the draft rolls around. All right. Now we we've, we've got on the tracker, we've got scheduled to come in and we've got in how many have been in now? A lot of them. I'd have to pull up the actual list uh, in terms of that. And when I say in, I mean, those are the ones that have been officially reported. We know the day that they came in right. to the facility. So it's probably, you know, 15 or so names on that list. I'd have to, to count them all up though. All right. Uh, I'm just, let's see. Uh, Clayton tune was scheduled, but he, let's see, we've got, uh, I'm, I'm going to rattle these off and, and, and take your shoes off here. Okay. Uh, Jonathan Mingo, Charlie Jones, Jaden Reed, Anton Harrison, Cyrus Torrance, Steve Avilia, Chandler Zavalia, John Michael Schmitz, Cody, Mo- Cody Mock, uh, Siaka Ika, Keon White, Keanu Benton, Tuli Tuopoloto, Tu, uh, Robert Beal, uh, Tyreke, Tyreke Stevenson, Julius Brents. I'm not going to count Joey Porter because he's local. Right. Uh, Deontay Banks, Darius Rush, Christian Gonzalez, Daniel Scott, and Tanner Engel. Along Those, with uh, the BYU quarterback today on top of it, right? Right. The only names that have been reported but not been made official in terms of we don't know the day that they came in to like 100% confirm it is Clayton Toon from Houston, the quarterback, Jervon Dexter, the defensive lineman from Florida, Daywan Jones, the tackle from Ohio State, Keely Ringo, the corner from Georgia, and Emmanuel Forbes, the corner from Mississippi State. Those are the ones that have been reported. We had scheduled. We have not actually gotten official confirmation that they have right. come in for their visits. And still, let's see, today's Wednesday. You would think they'd wrap up um, on Thursday, right? Yes. But again, some of those guys may have come in in late March. Uh, Jonathan Mingo came in March 20th. I mean, were they only having one guy come in at a time during then? Maybe, but there might have been. I know that during owner meetings, Omar Khan had talked about a couple guys had already come in. I don't think all that was kind of known at that time. So there may be a couple of those names that had come in in March that were never officially reported. Maybe we'll get more uh, Thursday, which I guess tomorrow is kind of the last day. So we'll, we'll see on that one. But I know that Forbes is somewhere today. He's not um, obviously in Pittsburgh, so we'll see what tomorrow brings. All right. But yeah, Hall, late round guy. Again, could they take that late round quarterback? Are they trying to do their homework on on undrafted, you know, possibilities? I mean, they got to fill that number three spot. It's 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 they they, they always carry three unless they're going to change it. But um, they're doing their homework. Yeah, they are for sure. All right. What else do we have here, Dave? And this had a lot of interest and intrigue from Steelers Nation, a pretty popular post yesterday. We had known for a while that Sunday Ticket was going to be leaving DirecTV and going to YouTube. And the official announcement made yesterday in terms of the pricing. And uh, it's a, it depends on if you have YouTube TV or not. There's different packages and early promos. But uh, you're going to have to pay a pretty penny to watch some uh, football on YouTube uh, TV through Sunday Ticket uh, this year, Dave. Yeah, and I think the biggest pushback, at least initially here, is uh, outside of the price. Uh, I think people are saying, "Hey, where, where, where are single single game options or single team options?" You know, 
And I know there was our article in the athletic, I think yesterday or the day before talking about how they're, they're, they're going to consider uh, different packages, but potentially may, I, I guess reading this overall, it says, let me read it ver- verbatim here from, from the athletic. Uh, what is not included so far as the Holy grail for Sunday ticket groupies buying a single team or even a single game, which direct TV never offered, but don't fret. It may be coming. And the quote here is we're doing research on that right now to figure out what are the right types of packages that would be interesting to users, uh, Ost, Ostline said, so nothing to announce there, but you know, we're hopeful that we can start testing some new packaging concepts later in the season. So while well, never say never, it doesn't sound too optimistic that single team packages will be available at least by the start of the season here, right? Yeah, who knows? That seems like a lot of corporate speak to me, and it probably won't be exactly what fans want. Maybe that they're going to get a lot team. of pushback on this. I mean, uh, yeah, and, but I mean, directly, it's not like direct TV offered it and right. YouTube's not. It's never been a thing before. And it just kind of was this thought that people had. And now they're kind of assigning it to I mean, YouTube TV, they want you to pay. They paid a lot. They paid billions of dollars. Right. for this. They're going to make sure they get their money. And so uh, I, I don't know if they're going to ever offer the single game or even single team. Maybe they do like a a division you can buy an AFC North package and watch all the AFC North type games. I don't know, but uh, we'll have to, to wait and see on that. Well, I you know, I know a lot of people are hung up on the price, and I get it and all, but <laughs> we we have no choice, or I, or you have a choice. I don't. Uh, <laughs> and several of our guys, we pick up the tab uh, on that as well too for 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 out of area. So I know this isn't a big concern for people, obviously, who who live in the local market uh, there. But out, you know, look, either you want to watch it or you don't, or if. You know, I, I know people like to use those streams or whatnot, but, uh, you know, I, I can't sit here on this podcast and advocate it, you know, in, in good faith, but, uh, I mean, if that's the way you got to watch them, that's the way you got to watch them. Uh, it, it does look like it's, you know, for non YouTube TV subscribers, even, even the early route. I mean, I think three forty nine is, 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 is pretty fair overall. Yeah, call me elitist, but I think to pay three fifty to watch the NFL the entire season is a pretty good price. You know, that's cheaper than than cable if you had to watch it by whole cable package, and you obviously can't get all those games. So I don't know. I don't know much about this stuff. I don't have to use the service. Obviously, being in market for Pittsburgh, but I don't think that price is like wholly unreasonable. Here's the thing, uh, you know, for, for to be a YouTube TV subscriber, how much value am I going to get off of YouTube YouTube TV subscribers? You're gonna watch all your shows on there, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I watch football, <laughs> 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 you know. So, uh, and you know, I have Cox Cable or whatnot. And look, I've even had, you know, I'm carrying. I can't wait to. Uh, I've been carrying Direct TV because I've had to have it, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine what, uh, imagine what my TV and then obviously, you know, my wife likes Netflix and we have Netflix and we have, I think we have Hulu because it was packaged in with some ESPN stuff. So I've got so many, you know, uh, streaming options here that, that they, they add up even for me. So you know, I'll be cutting out direct TV, obviously, uh, there, but yeah, I, I, I personally, I don't find much value and look, I've got an NHL, uh, uh, or through the ESPN, you know, I've got the ESPN package. So I watch all the NHL games. I have an MLB 
package so I can watch the the pirates when I have time, which isn't very often during once the season gets going there. So these things add up for people, but, uh, sure. uh I, I think you boil it back to the point. What you said is, you know, they, they, they paid to get this TV package and they paid a pretty penny for it. And now they got to start trying to, trying to recoup that. Yep. Those costs are being shifted to, to you and I and the people that are going to use the, uh, the service. So, and, and, and listen, I understand like this stuff can certainly be expensive and times are tough and I don't want to, to overlook that. I just think, you know, 350 to watch the entire NFL for a year or whatever the number is, is not that. Oh, sign me up. I would have loved to have, I would have loved to have had this option 20 years ago, probably for not sure. at this price. I could have probably couldn't afford it, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I see all sides of this. I see, people being upset with the price i see people being upset with not having uh one thing i would hope that they would do and it probably once again it's probably not going to happen this year uh i i think it would be in their best interest to offer single team pricing yeah i don't know i mean how much would that cost and i mean i i get it i mean i I, if they do it i'm all for it that that helps people out um here's my other concern though with youtube tv and i think that the one kind of hidden pushback on that is you know if you're living in a more rural area there's enough great broadband internet you can't really use the service you could have a really strong internet connection to be able to of course you know stream an nfl game like that and you know instead of direct tv um that was satellite based i guess direct tv right yes yes so that was more accessible to more rural areas or those that didn't have great internet because of the the particular place they live that maybe just didn't have great service. So I think that's actually a, a, a hidden pushback. I've seen multiple people say is I would use the, the service, but I don't have the internet to support it. And I think that that's actually a big like infrastructure issue that's not being talked about enough. And that might be the biggest issue I have with this kind of being moved to an online service. So I would imagine those people would need to have some sort of satellite service, right? Plus YouTube TV. Right, but can if you don't have good internet, can you even stream the games? Like if your internet sucks, if you have like you know spotty, uh, a shoddy Wi-Fi connection, you might have a tough time utilizing the service. Move. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then I've also had some people say, "What about like going to a sports bar? Can you still watch the games?" I believe I forget where. Yeah, I read there, it. there. I, I read. Yeah, I read something as well too. There, there's going to be some sort of deal with uh, sports bars and all like that. Yeah, yeah. So that's the uh, the news on that. Move um, to Vegas and go to the casinos. All right, Dave. Switching gears here. Last thing I want to talk about today was my uh, latest mock draft dropped on Tuesday morning, and the internet they're not happy. Oh, the the natives are restless, Dave. When it comes to my mock draft, I forgot Imagine how much. Imagine that. You, I, I'd actually been pretty good. I think my first two editions, but I had forgotten how much hate you can get for uh, for having one mock draft. And again, just keep in mind although it falls on deaf ears, this is what I think the team will do, not necessarily what I would do if I was GM, if I was Omar Khan. But let's run through my mock draft and see if you dislike it as much as the vast majority of the internet. At pick 17, starting things off, again, really wrestling with this one. There is no clear-cut choice at 17 in in the first round uh, as opposed to other years. But my pick right now is Brian Branch, the versatile DB from Alabama. So might play safety, play slot corner. He's 21 at that pro day, productive, didn't test all that well, but Pittsburgh has had success with one Alabama safety that's instinctive and high IQ makes plays in the football. Branch does play bigger, does hit bigger than his size. And so I still don't discount this as an option at 17. 
All right, you said the others that you considered here, Joey Porter Jr., uh, Tennessee tackle, Darnell Wright, and Brian Brzee out of Clemson there. Uh, was your head in the fact that all, all, all three of those would be on the board in this scenario and you just chose Branch over, over the three? Uh, Wright and Brzee, I believe, will be there. Porter Jr. was kind of more of, I don't know if he will be, and so let me go in a different direction. Okay. Um, so that's it's the I don't use a simulator for those wondering. I don't have anything like that, so they're not necessarily on the board or off the board. It's just kind of in my head of what makes okay. sense. So you know, Porter's still in consideration if he falls to seventeen, but I think there's a chance he he will not make it. All right. I mean, I understand the selection. Obviously, I mean, we've talked uh, quite a bit, man. If there's a one gaping hole right now, it's uh, it's a, a sub package corner. Yeah. Um, and again, this guy can wear a lot of hats and you're trying to gain back that versatility you lost when when Cam Sutton signed with Detroit. And, you know, Casey can offer some of that, but he's, you know, 30, not going to be on this team for for super long and, and branch is somebody that can wear a lot of hats and, and really be an asset in sub package football. All right. The next guy you have is a guy I really like, uh, but uh, 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 it, just, it was a bit of a surprise because the likelihood of Cody Mock having to shift inside at the next level. Yeah, Cody Mock, my pick at 32, the offensive lineman from North Dakota State. And I get it. I understand. But my counter to that, and I got a lot of pushback on the interior stuff, is this team has done their homework on a ton of interior offensive linemen. So we can't be blind or turn, you know, even though it might not make the most sense to us. If this team's showing the interest there, then you know, we have to respect that. And Mock's a guy that they're going to love because he's a mauler. He's a good run blocker. He's got a great compete. You know, what he did at the Senior Bowl, I think, really impressed Pittsburgh based on him having the willingness to play inside, play center, play guard, do whatever he had to do, and then do it pretty well. And so I think in Pittsburgh, you'd probably try to look at him as a, as a center. He's also a good athlete. The way that he tested was remarkable if you look at look at him as a tackle or as an interior offensive lineman. And Andy White on Philadelphia, they drafted some of those Bison guys and Carson Wentz, Dallas Goddard. And so um, they've had some success or at least taken North Dakota State uh, pedigree. Now, again, Weidel was not responsible solely for those picks. He wasn't actually making the pick, but you know, he was kind of around those guys. So I think the competition concerns will be less so given on uh, based on what Weidel experienced in Philadelphia. So I know people didn't like this one. I don't love it either, but I think they're going to like Cody Mock quite a bit. Okay. And break glass in case of emergency, he can play some tackle for you. Yeah, it's going to wear a lot of hats. And, and the other thing, just last note on Mock is, you know, this team does not often bring in these the small schoolers as an FCS or below type players uh, in for visits that often. When they have, though, they have drafted those guys. Chris Oladokin last year, visit, drafted. Javon Hargrave back in, what, 2016, visit, drafted. Rob Blanchflower, Cortez Allen, same case. And so when they, they don't have their eyes on the small school guys that often, but when they do, their interest is usually pretty clear. Okay. At 49, and some people say you could switch these two between Mock and Benton, and that's fine if you want to do that. But I have Keanu Benton from Defensive Tackle, the guy I've talked about uh, endlessly, basically since day one of my my draft process. And so I just mentioned earlier, this was this was made basically right before, before the Watts. Before Watts, yeah. Um, and and it does not mean that Benton cannot be the pick. I think maybe it would ding those chances a little bit. He did play primarily 0-1 tech at Wisconsin this past year, but he has the length and size and experience earlier in his Badgers career to play more 3-tech, to play more of the 4-I. And so I don't want to discount that. I'm still a big fan of his game, big fan of his tape, the wrestling background, the toughness, playing through injury. He has been productive, Wisconsin coached, all things very attractive to Pittsburgh. Okay, and once again, it's important to note that this is before Armand Watts was signed. 
Right. Round three, 80 overall cornerback, uh, a little later on cornerback here, but it is a pretty deep class. And Tyreek Stevenson, who was brought in for a visit as well, a uh, man cover corner who models his game after Patrick Peterson. I don't know if I have to say a whole lot else to justify the pick of Tyreek Stevenson. Uh, checks all the boxes, too, right? Uh, I have I, I done the, the look for study on that one. He didn't. What did he miss on? Most he didn't of. check. He, yeah, he didn't check every single box. He might have. I think the agility drills, the shuttle and the three cone he missed on um, by a little bit. But um, overall, in that profile, that man cover corner, I think he fits. OK. And some people say 80 is too late and he could go earlier than that. But like receivers and, and those deep classes and deep cornerback classes, some of those names may get pushed down because you have. You know, how many corners do you have that could be top 50 type picks? So it, it may push somebody like Stevenson down 10 or 15 spots. All right. All right. Round four, 120 overall going with wide receiver and Parker Washington mentioned his name a little bit ago on the show. Just a physical slot receiver. Good break tackle. Not going to be a burner, not a, a, a high end athlete, but good hands, good body control. And is kind of a kind of a juju type in terms of tough, physical, uh, good after the catch, breaks tackles runs hard. That's the kind of guy Parker Washington is probably be a little bit higher. Had he been, didn't he miss some games last year? I forget. Honestly, uh, he may have, I know he had a couple of big games. I don't know his whole, uh, health history though. Uh, but, uh, uh, a guy, they obviously know well, obviously has a history in the slot. Like you said, you know, not going to probably wow you from the, uh, from, from the, from the measurable standpoint, but, uh, I think good after the catch and, 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 and those kind of things. So, uh, uh, definitely could see him. If you're going to consider this team drafting, uh, you know, more slot ready type guy, he's, he's got to be on your list of, 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 of potential candidates. Yeah, I think mid-round slot, third, fourth round is where Pittsburgh's going to go take its receiver. Those are the guys they've generally been looking at in the pre-jet process. Plus, Washington, only 21 years old. And so a little bit of youth on his side. Uh, that's always, I think, important to the Steelers. Okay. All right, jumping to the seventh round, the, the last uh, pair of picks here in round seven, starting at 234. KJ Henry, the edge from Clemson, just kind of the, the typical late day three pass rusher I've been putting into basically all of my mock drafts. And so he's a guy with size. Um, production was not great, but um, obviously we're talking seventh round at this point with some pedigree. They love their Clemson guys and his testing. He's got, he had an injury in the pre-jet process. His three pin was pretty poor, but seventh round pick with pedigree um, with some lengths. That, that's kind of why I went KJ Henry. Uh, I have, I've, I've looked at him overall. I haven't looked at his uh, background on special. Does he have a special teams background? I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure to be honest. Probably early in his career as a, as a Tiger in a Power Five school, that's probably how you first start trying to get on the field. So I don't know for sure, but obviously he would have to start playing there in Pittsburgh. Okay, uh, boy, you uh, you really came out of left field here with the uh, last seventh round pick here. Yeah, I think you got to do something kind of different. It can't all be chalk and expected in the names that we kind of commonly talk about. So last pick here in the seventh round, Malik Knowles, receiver slash You couldn't put yourself a quarterback in there as much as you talk about quarterbacks? (laughs) I have before, maybe on the last one. You know, we'll see how the final mock draft goes, especially with the Hall uh, pre-draft visit too. That's a signal there. Uh, But yeah, Malik Knowles from Kansas State, a guy I still have to learn more about. I was just kind of, I was trying to find... I was thinking about Danny Smith going to these pro days. I thought about a kicker, but a kicker just seemed too radical in the seventh round, maybe undrafted free agent, but uh, maybe somebody in the return game with Steven Sims signing in Houston and Gunnar Olszewski, you know, his spot certainly not being secure and Calvin Austin's there, but you're just not sure what you have in him. 
either. And Knowles was a guy that did everything at Kansas State. Receiver, runner, kick return game. This guy's got, what, I think 21 career touchdowns, 14 as a receiver, four as a rusher, three as a kick returner. He's got size. I think he's got speed. Um, he's a guy that can wear a lot of hats. I think to get guys that are versatile, help you on special teams, uh, late on day three is pretty attractive. All right. Main takeaways I'm sure you're getting. Where's the tackle, Alex? And then uh, for Uncle David, be where's the tight end, Alex? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I would imagine those are the biggest pushbacks. Yeah, and that's fair. I think especially the tackle one. And now Mock, I mean, Mock was, has literally been a left tackle in his career. Right. I think he would play inside in Pittsburgh. He does not have that ideal length, but I do just want to at least say that out loud is that he was literally a, what, three, four-year starter at left tackle in North Dakota State. Um, beyond that, you know, just once you get past those top picks, like past, you know, 32, if that tackle's not there, then it's kind of hard to find that name. So it's a valid critique overall. Um, this team has done their homework on interior offense alignment, and so... Uh, that's kind of why I wanted to go with Mock, and of course, based on the pre-draft visit. So, so that's fair. Tight end again, you know, fair as well. Just only has so many picks. They did resign Gentry. Um, I don't know what tight end would fit best if they want kind of that blocking type to compete with Zach, with a Zach Gentry. So, just kind of you know left uh, had to leave that one out. Right, and this goes back to kind of us talking about man, this team's got you know could go several. There's a lot of holes right now. You you can make arguments, you know. Uh, Man, you you need to have a tight end in here. You need to have a tackle in here. And other people say you need to have an inside linebacker in there. And you know, yeah. Uh, again, it's hard to fill all those needs. No inside linebacker, no tight end. Um, you know, no tackle. I guess in terms of like true, he'd probably stay a tackle at the NFL level. So you know, you only have what seven picks here, and can't fill everything. Right. All right. All right, so my last one will come out the week of the draft. I already have an idea maybe what direction I want to go, but we'll have to see how these last couple of visits and what other news may occur, um, you know, changes those thoughts. But the last one will, uh, will of course, look different than than this uh, next to last one. All right, what else do we have to cover today? Is that it? I think that's, yep. I think that's everything. We can get through some reader emails and close out today's show. All right, let me pull up the email machine here real quick. Uh, Joe Marone writes in, Hey there, Dave and Alex, do you guys have any intel of off-season visits or research by our Steelers scouting department of some of the key players or maybe even ones in danger of their roster spots to visually check in to see their weight, fitness, and even training regimens? Uh, this seems like a possible method for how they might prioritize their draft needs, even just to provide better direction or reevaluation on what a player might need to focus on before heading into camp in between their season exit interviews. He says, I mean, if the quarterbacks and a wide receiver get together and work out in groups, as we've heard, it would only make sense that the organization visits with some evaluation to make sure these workouts are productive and not counterproductive, especially if scheme plays a role. Uh, first and foremost, there's a certain part of, of the off season where they, they really can't have contact, right? Yeah. The, the CBA is pretty strict on terms of contact, even with stuff like phase one of the off season program in terms of coaches and being on field, it's all kind of limited to the strength and conditioning coaches in the weight room. So 
I don't know all the restrictions there, um, but I now think the, now, the, now a lot of these guys hang around the facility anyway, for the most part, and they're in, sure. and and the team gets to see them, and I'm sure conversations take place. But you know, do do we have any intel on 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 this on on the Steeler scouting department or key you know uh, key figures going out to drop in and surprise? Uh, you know, uh, uh, no, uh, and and I would imagine they leave it up to players to, I mean, they, they probably get schedules from the team. Hey, you should probably do this and do that, you know, kind of, kind of training and all like that. But I would think for the most part, uh, these, these guys, you know, are, they, they depend on these guys to handle their own, you know, not be babysat and make sure that when they show up they they show up in top physical condition and ready to go. Yeah, each guy, you know, generally has their own specific, you know, workout plan. And again, that's where strength and conditioning coaching staffs really become important and play a key role this time. So we're talking, you know, Gary Guimont and Marcel Pastor is they're going to work with those guys and have their own plans of how we're going to train, how we're going to eat, how we're going to lift. And, and and that's kind of where it becomes more individualized. So uh, that's kind of the focus for, for them. It's less about scouts and more about, you know, those guys that are going to be helping create that plan for the offseason. Uh, Jonathan Mason writes in, Alex and Dave, what is your best guess as to why the Steelers are doing so much work on this interior offensive line class? Could it be possibly they are thinking of moving James Daniels to center or just upgrading over Mason Cole, even though he was solid last season? Thanks. I mean, long story short, I mean, I, I, I just think that the the main takeaway here is that they have a that they seem to be doing their due diligence in the interior offensive line class uh, I think specifically they are looking at a guy that can come in first and foremost I, I'd be surprised if they move James James Daniels to center I, that's just me uh, is it a possibility I don't think you can totally discount it I just I would be a bit surprised. I think what they're looking for here is someone, A, who could be the backup center, at least initially, if not push Mason Cole uh, for the starter job uh, 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 this offseason here. Uh, now, within that is you've got some guys that you know, might, you'll also seem to be guard capable. So you're kind of getting I mean, most of these guys are outside of uh, Osiris Torrance, right? At least the guys that they're they're bringing in seem to have at least some center in their background. Even Cody Mock, uh, if you want to consider the Senior Bowl, sure. Avelia has it. Um, I don't uh, know if Savala does though. Yeah, uh, I forgot to check that. Av- Avelia does have a little center. Yeah, he's got a life's actually got like twenty plus starts there or right. something like that. So he's got quite a bit. You know, John Michael Schmidt's obviously a center. Yeah, I don't really know what to make. I've still struggled with that because I mean, if if you're gonna draft a center high, like the guys they're looking at aren't late round guys. They're all day two type of names. If you're drafting a day two, you know, center, it's hard to keep that guy on the bench. But I think Mason Cole, obviously, you're paying him, and he had a fine season last year. So I've really sh- struggled more than anything else trying to get a read on what their thoughts are with all the interest in these guards slash centers. Yeah. Yeah. John, I don't know how to best answer your question here. Best guess as to why they, you know, I, I, I think they are looking. I, my takeaway right now is they are at least looking for somebody that's got center capabilities. But to start, I mean, to be like a top pick, well, not, not necessarily at least to come in. Uh, I wouldn't, I I'll still be surprised if it's a top two pick. You know, but but, but but the interest they've shown in are are the, are the top round guys. They've not okay. shown interest in, 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 and maybe that's 
something else. Maybe that's just due diligence, but like they, they're showing interest in top 50 picks. Sure. Sure. Uh, uh, my, my main takeaway is they are looking for someone center capable. I think you're right about that. Yeah. Uh, as to where that might be, I don't know. It is, it is a bit surprising to the depth that they have looked at these interior guys. Yeah. Like I said, I, I really struggled. To, it, it's not just that they're, if they're looking at, again, day three picks, and that makes total sense to me. There really is no backup to Mason Cole right now, but I mean, they're looking at, you know, second, third round type names. They've done enough uh, uh, work on the interior offensive line class at this point. I think I'll be surprised if they don't draft one. But is it going to be one of those those guys they've looked at? Good question. Yeah, maybe and, this, and if, yeah, and if maybe, so, will they take a tackle uh, too? Maybe this is a, uh, we want to do our due diligence on these guys for later on down the road, you know, but I mean, there's a lot of them that's come in, you know. Right. Are they going to take a tackle and an interior offensive lineman with two of their first three picks? I mean, we're still waiting to see more tackles come in, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I, uh, you know, are, are they, are, I just can't see, see where this team is happy with LaRaven Clark is, you know, they're, they're, their swing guy. Yeah. And Pat Meyer was the busiest man of the positional coaches this off season and, and not, and some of those tackles haven't come in, but they went and saw some of those tackles and Jones and Johnson and Broderick Jones. And was, was Pat Meyer at Georgia or no, he wasn't at Georgia, but Tomlin and Khan were there. Um, and Darnell Wright at Tennessee. So, I mean, they've done their homework on these tackles. All right. Uh, Jonathan, it's going to be interesting to watch you play out with the interior work that they've done. Uh, Benjamin writes in, hi, Dave and Alex. Love the show. You guys do a fantastic job. Best podcast in the business. Quick hypothetical question for you. Paris Johnson Jr. falls to 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 pick 10, and the Eagles are willing to trade back for picks uh, 17 and 49. Do you make that trade? I probably would, man. If you once again, if you got to go up to get anybody, go get a go get a top uh, left tackle. You know, uh, seventeen of forty nine. Yeah, I'd, it wouldn't take hard to twist my arm. I'll tell you that. Yeah, because will one of those tackles will it, will a Broderick Jones fall? If you look at it, kind of where he's being mocked, it's some right are around saying it, in that well, range. Yeah, and some are thinking maybe he might be the first tackle off the board. You know, really? Okay. So I, it's hard to peg these guys. I mean, I I just, is it going to be the first 16 picks, only one tackle goes? I don't know. That just seems, I know the quarterbacks push these guys down, but there's only so many quarterbacks, only four of them. You know, you still got other guys to go through. Only one tackle taken in the top 16 just feels like, how often does that happen? Yeah. I mean, I wonder if I could get back a fifth in this. <laughs> <laughs> you really jonesing for that fifth. Yeah, you could probably do that. Yeah. You know, if you if you threw in the uh, the Eagles fifth, Fifth on top of that, uh, I'm, a, I'm assuming they have a fifth. I haven't looked at it. Uh, I, I'd really be willing to at that point. Yeah, but I think I, I'll stand by and say if they do go up, and I think there's certainly, I think there's a chance they go up. Obviously, there's always a chance, but I think, you know, under Khan, he, he's, he's got a chance to be aggressive. But if they do go up, it's going to be for a tackle in Paris Johnson or Broderick Jones. Uh, last one, Todd Gensler writes in, Hey guys, with your chatter last episode about the 17th pick being a poor spot with this year's draft, what would you suggest being a better option here? Trade the 17 for a two and a three trade the 17 for a two, a four and a five, uh, any chance for two number twos, 
Would there be any takers? I would think come draft day, someone would fall in love with a player at that spot. I'm all for draft capital this year, unless their guy is still sitting there at 17. And I really wouldn't know who that is. He's a, I mean, that's such an open-ended questionnaire, Todd. And, you know, obviously we, we, we get bombarded with, you know, will they trade up? Will they trade down? What's, what's the best, you know, scenario, you know, uh, you know, I, when it, when it comes to get, you know, trade for us, uh, trade the 17th for us for a number two and a number three, obviously give me the higher pick, higher picks anytime you can, you know, yeah. uh, trade for a 17 for a two and a four and a five. I mean, I understand the reasoning there, but I'd, I'd rather have a two and a three than I would a two, a four and a five. Uh, and then any chance for two number twos. I mean, I guess he's talking about a two this year and a two next year. I don't know. I mean, this, this makes my brain hurt every every offseason when we're talking about you know, will they trade up? Will they trade down? What's the best? You know, what's the best option? That kind of thing. Because so I mean, it's hard enough trying to figure out who they're going to draft anyway. <laughs> much much along, you know, uh, let alone will they go up? Will they go down? Yeah. What what will they get in return? You know. Alex, yeah. your your take on that? It's about the same. Obviously, if it was a two and a three, I'd take that over a two, four, and five. You know, just from a you know value standpoint. Even if you do want to fill that gap between you know round four and around seven, which I think they still will. But in terms of will they, could they? Everything's possible. Everything has a price. Everything's negotiable. Um, I, I just go back to seventeen. I think for Pittsburgh's an awkward spot. There is not that clear name. I think this draft is not super top heavy overall in terms of having elite names outside of maybe some of these quarterbacks and who the heck knows how they turn out. They're all kind of a, a 50-50 proposition. So I think picking at 17, it it's going to be, aside from Joey Porter, which is kind of the free space on the bingo card that is you know projecting these things, it's hard to find that name that really fits well for Pittsburgh at 17. And and several half, half people listening to this will tell you that Joey Porter won't be there. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, that's, I mean, if he's there, then I think certainly he's the leader in the clubhouse. Not that you guarantee it, but the question is, what is, um, I want to maybe write an article on this, but that really cool, uh, draft analyzer that you see, you tweeted that out yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, the right? ESPN one, but I yeah. think that mostly works off of their people though. And, and, and sure. their rankings, but I think Joey Porter Jr. was right there in what 15, 16, 17 was a sweet spot, right? Yeah, again, for whatever it's worth, and this is just a predictor and, you know, you're trying to predict an an art, not a science, but they're giving Joey Porter Jr. about a 32 to 34% chance of being there at pick 17. So if you want just to try to quantify the odds of it, not that it guarantees much of anything, but that's about the odds, about a third. Do you like Joey Porter uh, Jr. enough that you'd trade up a spot or two for him? In a deep cornerback class like this, I probably would not move up to get him if he's there at seventeen. Different either. conversation, but I probably if I'm if I'm going up, a it's for like a Christian Gonzalez if, if it's a corner. Um, B if I'm trading up at all in terms of what I think would happen, I think it's if you do that, it, you're getting that, that stud franchise left tackle. All right, one last one. I lied to you, Paul Francis. Hey guys, thanks for the hours of entertaining and informative content. Theoretical question for you guys today: Imagine that an expansion team was able to select the first sixty consecutive picks in this year's draft, but could not sign or trade any players for the next five years. Instead, they could only continue to play those sixty players from this single draft and would retain all sixty players for these five years. Imagine that this team plays in a league average division and has a 
league average schedule all five years, how well do you think this team would do record-wise in their first, second, and third seasons? Do you think this team would win a Super Bowl in any of the five seasons? Hope you don't mind this non-student-specific email. Thought it'd be fun. I get where you're going there. A, you know, that's a hypothetical that I don't think we'd ever ever see. But uh, look, you have you have so many fallouts of of, of draft classes yearly and. You have to supplement that some way or form in this scenario with with free agents, and uh, you have to. Uh, I would say no. There's there's no way that 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 team, if they had to continue to play all sixty guys from a single draft, would retain all sixty players for five years. And even if they were an average division, league average schedule, had the best coach, whatever, I would. Based on the way you're presenting this hypothetical, Paul, I would say, would they win a Super Bowl in any of these five seasons? I would, my my gut tells me no. It's a really fun question. I mean, I have no idea how to best answer that. I think about how do you build an offensive line? Can you find five starters and in, in depth when injury strike from your from from just sixty guys from this pool? I wonder if you could just you know reliably do that. I think you know in some ways you could, in some ways you might struggle. You know, how do you handle, I assume you're going to draft all the quarterbacks and just let them compete, but like, how do you, how do you do that? Um, right. you know, how do you, how would you try to, to, to figure all that out? But really fun question. I just wonder, I think you'd have a, a well, what, stars. Are, what, what, what does your gut say? Do you think this team would win a Super Bowl in any of these five seasons? No, I don't think that they would. Um, because the, the, the hit rate on, so basically going to get like 30 good, you know, you're going to get 30 guys that suck that just don't work out or have injuries or whatever. You know, maybe like you know, 15 who are pretty good, you know, 10, five to 10 that are really tight, you know, high uh, A plus level type players. I, I don't know if it's going to be good enough. I don't know if your offense line is going to be deep enough. I think you're going to have some, some real issues there. All right. Thanks for the fun question, Paul. Uh, time for us to wrap it up and get out of here. Yep. We'll come back on Friday and see if any more pre-draft visitors come in and whatever else the uh, sports world brings us. All right. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex Kazora on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to call to the cause, go to SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button, upper right navigational bar. Also, we have an ad-free version of the site available. Find that upper right navigational bar. Click the ad-free button there. So until Friday, as always, thanks for listening to The Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. Hey, hey.